the Swiss salt caper. Supermarkets were rare in Italy when we lived there. Not, not a bad thing, since those that did exist were Italian. And that's not an unqualified endorsement. They closed for frequent two-hour strikes. They had no coins on hand for change, and therefore they tended to round prices up. They sold plastic lawn furniture and ski boots, but not bread or milk. So for our two-year residence in Rome, we learned to avoid supermarkets and shopped instead at specialty stores. Table salt was sometimes available in a tobacco shop, you know, the same place where you buy postage stamps. Coffee beans were ground fresh while you waited in a bar. Small grocery stores, alimentari, did stock bread fresh twice daily, except on Sunday when all Rome was breadless. Milk was sold at a bar in pyramidal cardboard cartons, warm, taste-free, sterilized milk, not refrigerated. Or they sold it at the mythical Latteria, you know, a milk store. Unfortunately, no one we knew had ever seen a Latteria, although one is scheduled to open in every Italian city soon, or so political candidates continue to promise at each election. So we finally joined the shadowy underground of desperate Americans who shop in Switzerland, because Switzerland, we'd heard, was the shopper's mecca, salt available year-round, coffee without a shred of burlap in it, chocolate chips, maybe even peanut butter. A year into our Roman sojourn, unable to buy table salt, except for grosso, each grain a chunk the size of a peppercorn fit only to de-ice the autostrada, we planned an expedition. Five couples gathered in our neighbor's garage to compile a list. It meant international grocery shopping, and we were willing to spend our vacation days on a trip to Switzerland for a shopping binge in Chiasso at the border. Everything went as planned till we turned back south, headed home. When we crossed the border headed back into Italy, the trunk of our Fiat held six boxes of granola, a full carton of saccharin tablets, boxes of jello, packets of dry yeast, cocoa, chocolate, and, here it comes, 21 kilo bags of salt, all items rare or unavailable in Italy, all of them hidden under a blanket and four strategically placed bags of charcoal. You see, we were smuggling. We'd have paid any reasonable duty, but we couldn't. It was illegal to bring certain products into Italy. Impossible, unless you knew a politician or a connected priest who could cross through customs uninspected. So all of us lawbreakers had to pack our cars carefully, and that meant following a smuggler friend's precise instructions. We had done that. The disinterested Swiss customs officer waved us past. We were leaving his country, what did he care? But his Italian counterpart sucked in his pasta paunch, held up a hand to stop us, and strutted over to the car. Have you contraband, he asked. <laughs> How many smugglers say yes to that? Sorry, I lied. I only speak English. That was English, he said. Do you carry cigarettes? I held out a pack. Help yourself. In the boot, please. He thumped the trunk lid. What is stored in there? I opened it. Charcoal, I told him, and picked up a ten-kilo bag to lay it on his outstretched hands. Ten kilos, twenty-two pounds. That was the ploy. Load him down so he'd rush through the procedure. 
and more charcoal, I said, another bag piled atop the first in his outstretched arms. He didn't even blink. Forty-four pounds. This guy was stubborn. And more charcoal. I was moving slower now because I was digging dangerously near the impoundable goods. Sweat dripped off my nose. Only a blanket covered our loot and one last bag of charcoal. Basta! He dropped the charcoal on my feet. Enough, he said. A big relief. The ploy had worked. What is under the blanket, he said, folding his arms. No, it hadn't worked. With a sigh, I, I dreaded what was coming next, but I had no choice. I nodded to my wife. Time to trigger emergency plan A. Unless we were willing to lose the whole load, spend the day explaining ourselves. The baby burst out squalling, and I dashed over to take her from my wife. The guard followed along, consoling. She's tired, I explained. He took her away from me. Ooh, bambina, he cooed. He cuddled her and whispered to her, and in a moment her crying stopped. She even smiled at him. Proud of his success, he handed her back to my wife. I have raised five of my own, he boasted. Then he bowed us past the rising barricade, waving to the baby as we drove into Italy. Now, I'd hated to do it that way, but an Italian friend had explained the ultimate customs-crashing ploy. Because no Italian father can stand a baby's tears, you pinch the baby till she cries. So my wife pinched her, once, gently, I know, I know, but turning to a life of crime hardens you.